morning everybody welcome to the house of the lord good to see you all here today uh, if uh, you would at some point in the service sign in on the yellow sheet to let us know that you were here we'd appreciate that um, two quick announcements uh, first of all soft sharing our faith together um, the uh, the cards are out in the back the little fluffy guys you can take them too um, but uh, are you doing it are you talking with people Trying to, I heard of trying to. Um, if you are doing this, I would love to hear about how that's going for you, okay? And just, you know, kind of a, you know, what, what's your experience? What's, what's going on? Um, and then, uh, you know, keep praying. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep doing this through the rest of uh, September. Um, also, we're hoping to wrap up Beyond 50, uh, the initial part of this here, uh, next Sunday. And, uh, and so if you haven't had a chance to talk with somebody yet, uh, uh, I think Jim Orwig will be at the, uh, the table after the service. Please stop by and talk with him. And, uh, and then from there, we've got some, we've got some decisions to make. So uh, exciting times. The service is going to be a little bit different today. Uh, instead of, uh, <clears throat> it's going to be really different today because my iPad just shut off. And so everything just turned off. Okay, good. I'm just going to walk away from that and hope that the tech people can fix that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> The, uh, we're going to be looking at the liturgy as we go through the service. We do this week after week, and 
I sometimes wonder, you know, if people sit there and go, why are we doing what we're doing? Um, hopefully going to shed a little bit of light on that today. Um, and we're going to start with this very first part that we always begin with, where we pass the peace. You know, if you remember when Jesus uh, rose from the dead, the disciples went and they hid in the upper room. And Jesus appeared to them in the upper room, and the first thing that he said to them was, peace. Now, the idea of peace, we, we tend to think of that as kind of an absence of conflict. But that's not what the biblical word peace means. Peace in the Bible means wholeness. It means wellness. It means having all of God's blessings in your life. And so that's what we're wishing one another. And when we start the service and we pass the peace, it's not just, uh, hey, good morning, how are you doing today? How was your breakfast? You know, that type of a thing. It's wishing one another God's peace, this peace that Jesus won for us by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. And so that's what brings us together, and that's what we're sharing with one another. So let's take a moment and greet one another with God's peace. You may have noticed, you know, the praise team is up here, but we have a, uh, a, a guest pianist with us. Uh, Susan is back to help lead while uh, Sharon's on vacation, so welcome back. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for helping. So they're going to lead us in our opening song. Um, if you click on the lower right-hand corner, Josiah, that's going to bring up the worship service. Um, when we look at... Um, at music in the church. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly um, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. All the way back in the New Testament, they're talking about, hey, when you get together as the church, sing. And when you look in the Old Testament, there's lots of examples of God's people coming together to sing. So what we're doing is actually what it says right here teaching and admonishing one another. We're looking at what the scriptures teach and what they're saying in these hymns. It's an expression of what the Bible teaches. And we're lifting this up to one another to encourage one another in the faith. So our opening song is Sing to the King. And if we're able, let's stand as we sing.
the service always begins with this invocation. Uh, an invocation is calling on somebody's name. And the name that we're calling on is, is God's name, uh, the, the name of the triune God. And the reason that we do that is because his name is a big part of how we became part of the church, how we became part of God's family. We were baptized in this name. And so we gather in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And one of the really cool things when we gather in God's name is Jesus promises where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the, your midst. So this isn't just a matter of like-minded people coming together. Jesus is here, and he's at work in us and through us. The psalm that's appointed for this Sunday is Psalm 116. And so we've got some of these verses woven into the liturgy. You'll notice them right here at the beginning, but also part of the confession comes from Psalm 116. So we join in, in speaking God's word to each other. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. This next part of the service we call confession and absolution. And I think one of the key questions we have to ask ourselves when we come here is, who, who's doing the work? Who's active here? Because when we come together, sometimes people think that, you know, I've come here to do my bit. You know, the third commandment says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, so I better come and, and do what God says. But really, when we come together, we're coming to be in God's presence for him to do his work in us. The work that he, he did in our baptism where he washes our sins away, the work that he does by giving us faith through the word and the sacraments. And so one of the things that he calls us to do is to confess our sins and to receive his forgiveness. So he's doing that work of giving forgiveness through these words uh, as we speak together. He proclaims and he delivers that forgiveness to us. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Since we are gathered to our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, not because I'm a good guy, not because I you know, know something that you don't know, but by virtue of my office that you called me to, that God has placed your path as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you for all your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our support and defense in every need. 
continue to preserve your church in safety. Govern her by your goodness and bless her with your peace. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. So we've just received forgiveness. We've just received life and salvation from God. How do you respond to that? Well, we praise him. And we do that through song as we join to sing, Father, I adore you. The next part of the service is what we call the service of the word. And uh, in, in this period of the service, God serves us through the word. He works through the word in our lives. And we, we listen as it's read. This is an ancient practice. I mean, they read the scriptures in the Old Testament. You might recall that early in Jesus' ministry, he goes to the synagogue. And uh, as they gather there, they bring out the scroll of Isaiah and he reads from it. And this is the way that it used to be done, is they would just pick a book and they would start at the beginning and they'd keep reading through it until it was done and they would move to the next book. At some point, though, they decided it would be good to make sure that we, we hit all of the stories about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we created what are called lectionaries. And they're just lists of readings for a particular Sunday. They're started in the Gospels. And then they would find scripture readings to complement that, that work with that. And so they would look at the Old Testament lessons and see things that kind of match with, with what's going on. And it's good for us to read these Old Testament lessons because we remember that when Jesus was confronted with, by the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures to find righteousness, but these scriptures, they speak of me. So when we read the Old Testament, we're still reading about Jesus. And then we read an epistle lesson, a, a reading from a letter, usually by one of the apostles. And these letters, they continue to teach us what Jesus taught. And they're sharing Jesus' word with us as it's been written down for us. And so God works through this word, the Holy Spirit works through this word to create and strengthen our faith 
And so we, we, we listen as the word is read. Thank you. Good morning. First reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 10. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small, small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. How many of you have ever been to court, jury duty or something like that? So when you go to court, you're, you're there and, uh, um, and the judge comes in, what does everybody do? They rise out of respect for the law. And we have something similar, although different, uh, in the church that when we read Jesus' word, we stand out of respect. But in this case, it's not merely out of respect for law but out of respect and love for God and for his gospel and the work that he does to bring salvation to us. So would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? 
and now we run into one of the weaknesses of, of how we do our, our lectionary, our readings, because we've taken this passage completely out of context, and it's kind of hard to understand what's going on. But what has just happened before we read this is Jesus and three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, were up on a mountain, and it says that Jesus was transfigured before them. So there's this huge, glorious moment where Jesus is shown to be God, and now he comes down with Peter, James, and John, and he kind of finds himself in a rather not great situation. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And when they, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, uh, came to the rest of the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they recognized Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the next part of the service, um, we confess our faith, and we use creeds to do that. Creeds are not found in the Bible, uh, but they're basically a summary of what we believe from the Bible, a summary specifically about who is God and what has he done. And so we usually start out talking about the Father, and how he has created all things, the Son, and how he has won forgiveness and salvation for us. Then we talk about the Holy Spirit, and how he creates faith in us, and he binds us together as the church. The word creed itself comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. And as much as we come together and we confess our faith together, our faith is still individual. No one can believe for you. And so we come together to confess our faith as the church, and as individuals. And today we do it through the Nicene Creed. Um, the Nicene Creed was written in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea. That's how it gets its name. 
and it is a, a, a teaching about who God is and what he has done. We confess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. In the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Congregation may be seated. We invite the kids to come on up. And as they're coming up, I would point out that uh, this part of the service, the children's message, is probably the newest part in terms of history. Um, we don't have any evidence of, uh, of a children's message before, but we do remember that Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And also, uh, we remember that in Deuteronomy, I believe we read this last week, God encourages the, uh, the people of Israel to teach these things to your children when you're sitting down, when you're lying down, when you're rising, when you're walking along the road. And we are blessed to have Bob, our director of Christian education, to help us to do this important work of teaching our children. Okay, make sure you grab a piece of candy. Pick your favorite. There's two different types there. It doesn't matter which uh, to me, but pick one that you like, not, not one that, uh, there we go. Okay, so uh, show the folks out there what kind of candy uh, you have. Um, what, what, what's this one here? Smarties. Smarties, okay. And what's the other one? Sour Patch. Is it Sour Patch Kids? Okay, Sour Patch Kids. Why did you pick Sour Patch Kids, those of you who picked that one? Just, you just like it, right? You like it better than Smarties? Yeah. Because um, they're sour, right? How about those of you that picked Smarties? Why didn't you pick Sour Patch Kids? You don't like sour things. Right. Okay. So some people like sour, some people like sweet. That's kind of the, the, uh, the difference, right? One sweet, one sour. Um, but whether you like sour or sweet, where do they end up? In your mouth, right? Doesn't matter if it's sour or sweet. Well, that's what our Bible reading talks about, a little bit about today, about your mouth. Not what goes in your mouth as far as sweet or sour, but what comes out of your mouth can be sweet or sour. Something sweet coming out of your mouth would be something nice and kind. Something sour would be something not very nice about someone. 
maybe potty words that we are not supposed to say. Maybe we're not saying nice things about other people. So in our Bible reading today, it talks about that, that we shouldn't have bad things come out of our mouth, even if they're up here or here. Don't let them come out here. Hard to do sometimes, huh? Hard for adults sometimes, too. Yeah, it's something that God wants us to do, to say good things and truthful things about other people. So let's fold our hands and let's say a prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Dear God, help me to say good things about others. But when I do, forgive me. Amen. Okay, thanks a lot for coming up. Have a good day. The service continues with a, uh, with a song. It's, sometimes it's called the, uh, the hymn of the day. Sometimes uh, we just call it the sermon song. Um, when, you, when we pick this hymn or this song, it's usually something that is often a, a prayer that we would hear God's word rightly. Uh, it often focuses on the theme of the sermon. And this is why sometimes people don't like the sermon song because it, there's a, a, a sermon or a song that's picked for every Sunday of the church year, uh, the hymn of the day. And if we're only singing that once in a church year, guess how well you know it. And so sometimes the people are like, I like all the songs except for that one that we sang right before the sermon because I didn't know it. That's, that's kind of why. It's, it's focused on the theme and it might not be as familiar. But I think we have a pretty familiar one here today for us.
so the service continues with the sermon. And uh, I, I kind of want to use this to give a little bit more in terms of why we use a, a, a liturgy. Um, this building that we're in, it's called, uh, okay, don't overthink this. Thank you, it's a church. I was getting a little nervous there for a moment. Um, yeah, it's a church. And uh, uh, to have a worship service, you have to have a church? No. In fact, uh, I've been following um, the, the, the hurricane, Hurricane Florence. I have a friend who's in Havelock, uh, North Carolina, um, and uh, um, been following his posts. And uh, yeah, his church is pretty much ruined, the building. And at 10 a.m. this morning, those of them who could get there met in the parking lot for prayers and uh, a little bit of a worship service. You don't need to have a, a, a building to have a worship service. I've, I've preached under palm trees in Haiti. Uh, and, you know, you know is it kind of nice to have a building, though? Does it offer us some structure? Uh, does, it, does it do things that help us to worship? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we come into this place, and you might, you might even think of this as kind of a sacred space. It's set aside for this purpose so that when you come in, you're already getting your mind in the right place to say, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to hear God's word. I'm here to receive his forgiveness. We have these reminders in front of us. You know, the cross is there, and we've got the banners and, and all of these symbols in front of us that remind us. Um, in, in fact, uh, uh, we've got this little symbol here. Do you remember what that means? Well, if, if you saw, you know, the, uh, the Indiana Jones movie, you know that Latin doesn't have a, have a J. It has an I instead. So this is Jerusalem High School where Jesus went. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. That's a joke. That... It's, it's the first three letters of Jesus' name in Greek. Uh, and so, you know, Jesus on the cross, same letters. Jesus, Alpha and Omega. You know, and so all of this is just kind of, this is what I'm here for. This is holy space where we come and, and we see the, the Lord's Supper here. We see the baptismal font in front of us with this pineapple. It's the only church I've ever been to that has a pineapple on the baptismal font. But it speaks to the people who founded this community who come from an English background where the pineapple means welcome. And we're welcomed into God's family through the water of baptism. And so we have all of these things that are going on that lead us and guide us into worship. And I think the liturgy has a very similar function. We come together and there's a rhythm to it to put us in mind of what we are here for. It guides us through. It keeps me from just talking about anything and everything that I want to talk about. It says what we are here for is some holy business. That's why this is all about Jesus. And there's all sorts of scripture quotes and passages as we read through them. They're even cited there in the column over and over again, right? You know, we're going back to God's word for God's word to do its work in our lives, for the spirit to work through that word in you and in me. And the liturgy, it ties us to the scriptures. Now, did I just say that churches that don't use the liturgy are wrong in the way that they're doing this? No, I'm not saying that. The same way that you don't need to have a building to have a worship service, you don't need to have liturgy. I think it's helpful for us, though. I think it's a good tool for us. 
And that's why whether we're having a praise service or a traditional service, we still have some kind of liturgy because we want to continue to talk about forgiveness. There are things that we do to put us in mind of, of what God has done. So, for instance, where I'm standing right here, earlier in the service, I spoke words of forgiveness to you, right? The absolution. What do I have in front of me? The baptismal font, where our sins were washed away. What's behind me? The altar and the Lord's Supper, where we receive Jesus' body and blood. For what purpose? For the forgiveness of sins. And all of this is intended to emphasize and to reiterate. This is why we're here. We're here so that God can give us his gifts, so that he can give us this forgiveness. So when you come to church, what makes it for a good sermon? My kids tell me that it's shortness. <laughs> In which case, I'm not sure that I've ever preached a good sermon. However, I would submit a couple of things. Sermons are not just speeches. They are intended to deliver God's message to you. They speak the law. Sermons should confront you. They should tell you what God has said about your sin. But if that's the only thing they do, they've failed. They should also tell you about what God has done about your sin. And they should apply what Jesus did, that he died and that he rose for you. That in Jesus' death and resurrection, your sins are atoned for. You are forgiven. You become reconciled with God. And I, I would submit to you that if it only does that, it hasn't done its job. It needs to do both. It needs to speak the law, which confronts us, but it also needs to speak the gospel, which comforts us. It needs to speak this message of salvation, not just kind of generally, but to you. And if you hear a sermon where Jesus isn't mentioned, that's not a sermon. Because that's what we are all about. Jesus and his salvation reconcile us to God. And without that, we can talk about all the morality that you want to, and it's worthless. And you can talk about all the good lovey-dovey stuff that you want to, and it's all worthless. Because it's only Jesus that brings us into harmony with God, who brings us back into right relationship with him. And it's only through that right relationship with God that we can have a right relationship with one another as we live in Jesus' forgiveness together. And that's really the purpose of the liturgy, to give Jesus forgiveness to you. The sermon, everything that goes on through the service is just constantly giving forgiveness to you. Giving what Jesus has won to you. Now, when we get to the end of the sermon, you know, I, I say amen, and then what's the next thing in the liturgy? It's printed here for you people. <laughs> this is worse than my confirmation class. What's next? Offering. The offering, yeah. You know, and I think that there's a little bit of confusion sometimes about the offering and what, what's going on there. Um, <clears throat> because there's this feeling of, uh, well... It's good to have lights at the church. They need to work. 
Um, I like air conditioning. Anybody really rather warm in the back? It's not too bad back there. We were a little concerned because the air conditioners on the front are disconnected because of the construction. It's blowing nice and cold up here, <laughs> just so you know. But you got to pay for that somehow, right? And so I think that a lot of times when we come to the offering, there's a sense of, well, we got to pay the bills. And that's not what the offering's about. I mean, there's a reality that that is what happens. That this is how we fund the ministry of the church, through your tithes and your offerings. And I'm going to come back to that word tithe in a moment here. But when you look at what's happening in the offerings is, this is a worship service. And when you give back to the Lord, you give back to that offering, that is an act of worship. In fact, when you look at, at, at history, people have understood this forever. Sacrifices and offerings, they've offered to their gods forever. Usually it was done in order to manipulate that God to do something for them. But that's not why we do it. That's not why we give an offering. We are recognizing where everything that we have comes from. And we're giving God glory by it. So let's pause for a moment and think about what has God given you? Body, soul, eyes, ears, all my members, clothing, shoes, house, home, field, cattle, wife, children, family, all that I have, right? That's what we teach in the catechism. How about this? He gave his only begotten son to redeem you. So sometimes people ask, well, what's the right offering to give? I don't know. If it's a response to that, what's the right, off, right, right amount? Everything. Yeah. Our lives are what we give back to the Lord. And as a, a, a token of that, a symbol of that, we give back a portion. And biblically speaking, that portion was a tithe. And tithe means 10%. And I've done the math, and I know the statistics for our community, and, and I can tell you that as a whole, the congregation, it's two that we give back. And I'm not saying that to, you know, shame anybody or anything like that, because the, the, this, is, this is hard stuff sometimes to give back to the Lord. But as we think about our worship and we think about what we give to him, that, that we give something that actually represents us and, and our appreciation and our gratitude for everything that he's given to us. I think there's a couple of principles for us to think about. First is that we would give first fruits. That means that you give off the top. It's not a matter of, let's see, the offering's coming by. I have four nickels and some lint. Good. No, we think about this. What am I going to give intentionally? To, to say thank you to God for all that he's blessed me with. I already mentioned the tithe. If you're not at 10%, it's hard to go from zero to 10%, isn't it? So start thinking in terms of percentages. You know, maybe you start with, you know, 1% that you give back to the Lord, and you seek to grow that, to give back to him from, from what he's given to you. And the other thing that I think is really important in giving is that we give regularly. 
give regularly. Because when that offering plate goes around, it's a reminder, not just of what's going on here, but it's a reminder of everything that God has given to you to return to him from the many blessings that he's poured out. And it's a way of saying over and over again, thank you, Lord. I worship you with all that I am, and I give you back a portion to praise you. We'll gather our offering now. next part of the service leads us into prayer and again the people of the old testament when they gathered for worship they prayed and we're just following that tradition. this is what god's people does god's people do um and, and so um 
part of what's important about the prayers of the church is that they teach us to pray. You know, they, they cause us to think beyond our normal areas of prayer, to think about the wider world. You know, so in our prayers, we're going to pray about needs and concerns within the congregation. So, for instance, we're going to pray for Carolyn Nome, who's going to go in for a cataract surgery. Uh, we'll also pray for Ellen Newman and for her family because her foster sister, uh, Hazel, died. But we'll also pray for broader concerns. We'll, we'll pray for uh, my friend in, uh, in Havelock and the people who are impacted by the hurricane. And also for the people on the other side of the world who are being impacted by a typhoon that I can't even pronounce, but I mean it's ravaged the, the Philippines and, and Hong Kong and is going amok in the, in the South China Sea. And we'll have all other kinds of prayer requests. And then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer where Jesus himself teaches us to pray. And he focuses us a little bit differently than we often think about in the world. He, he teaches us to pray about the kingdom and about his work. And to trust in him uh, for, for all of the blessings that we have in our lives. So let's stand to pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the, the salvation that you have given us in Jesus. That we lift before you the needs of the people of our congregation. We pray, Lord, that you would be with Carolyn. And we pray for her healing as she goes in for cataract surgery. We pray for comfort for Ellen and for her family at the death of her foster sister, Hazel. Uh, we pray for those who uh, have been impacted by Hurricane Florence. And we think particularly of our brothers and sisters at St. Paul Havelock, and we ask that you would provide for them and keep them in your care. But we also think of the many others that have been impacted by this storm. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with those who are also struggling under the, the typhoon in the South China Sea. And we pray that you would preserve life and that you would use our brothers and sisters there as your witnesses in the midst of, of the power of this storm. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We come before our Lord in prayer, saying along with the psalmist, O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Father in heaven, as we hear of the suffering and humiliation described by Isaiah, we remember Jesus' great sacrifice on our behalf. In times of persecution, for the sake of bearing Christ's name, Remind us that you are with us, and your grace sustains us. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Our God is merciful. Father in heaven, James reminds us that the tongue is a powerful part of our body, and our words can do great harm or good. Give us your spirit that we would not lie, betray, slander, or hurt with our words but instead use them to defend our neighbor and praise your name. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Father in heaven, your son cast out demons and bestowed healing with just his word. According to your will, restore and give wholeness to those who are suffering. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Father in heaven, you care for all of your sheep. Work through us to reach out in love to those among us who are straying from your fold. Restore them so that together we might be fed by your word and sacrament in the holy flock of your church. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. 
Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Heavenly Father, give us faithful hearts with which to receive your Son's body and blood at your table. Grant that it strengthens and sustains us in the one true faith. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. O Lord, as we join to share our faith together, we take time to pray for those you brought into our lives this week. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The next part of the service is called the service of the sacrament. It prepares us to receive the Lord's Supper. So the preface, it's just kind of this shift of tone, and it prepares and it refocuses us on what God is doing. And then we get to the proper preface, which is focus specifically on the themes of the week that we are in. And then we sing the Sanctus. Sanctus is Latin for holy, and uh, it comes to us from Isaiah chapter 6, where God, or where Isaiah sees the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. But it also prays Hosanna, uh, a word that it praises God for his salvation. After that, we have the prayer of thanksgiving. This is another Jewish-style prayer. Um, following that model that, uh, that the ancient church used. And after that, we use the words of institution, remind, remembering that without God's word, this is just bread and wine. Maybe it's a nice symbol. But when God's word is added to the bread and to the wine, it becomes a sacrament. It becomes a holy gift that God gives that actually delivers forgiveness to us. And then there are a couple of scripture passages that, again, remind us what God is doing here. And then we speak words of God's peace. After that, sometimes we have what's called the Agnus Day, where we remember Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then we sing some songs while we distribute the Lord's Supper. And those songs usually help us to praise God and often speak of what's going on in the Lord's Supper. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power 
Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And always. The congregation may be seated.
the words of dismissal bring us right back to uh, exactly what we've received and what God has given us here. So let's stand. Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and keep you in the one true faith from this time forth and forevermore. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. So what do you do after you receive a good gift? Say thank you, yeah. And that's really the next part of the, uh, the service. We say thank you, and, uh, and we ask that God keeps his promises, what he would, says he would do, that he actually does that. And, uh, and then we have the benediction, a, a blessing. And then the congregation responds to that blessing with the word amen, remembering that we're saying, yeah, God, the things that uh, we've asked for, please do that. And then we end with a, a song, and we go out remembering uh, what God has done. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Amen. Amen. If we're able, let's remain standing to sing Blessed Be Your Name. 